This is Eighth Day Encouragement, a recap of the Sunday service, offering hope and faith from the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. You can find us online at holytrinity-nyc.org. Most years during Holy Week at Holy Trinity, we usually offer a service called Tenebrae. Tenebrae comes from the Latin word for shadows or darkness. And through the service of prayers, readings, music, candles are gradually extinguished. Light decreases until the space is total darkness. I think about the silence and darkness of Tenebrae as I hear Mark's Passion, St. Mark's version of the crucifixion that we read this year on Palm Sunday. In Mark's Gospel, it's as though total darkness has overcome light. Jesus is the innocent victim. The great preacher and Bible commentary Fred Craddock points out that in Mark's gospel, the verbs themselves show that all the action is done to Jesus. Jesus is betrayed and and let down by his friends, the disciples. Jesus is arrested and taken away. His friends and disciples desert him. Jesus is taken to the high priest. He's interrogated, spit upon, beaten. Jesus is bound and led away. Jesus is passed over for Barabbas, the murderer. <clears throat> Jesus is handed over to others. He's beaten. He's, he carries his cross. He's brought to Golgotha. He is crucified. Darkness comes over the whole land. Darkness overtakes the world. Mark's version of the crucifixion is not an easy one to hear, but it's an important one for us to hear, especially because it's so real. It's so true. And to far too many, close at home and far away in our world, they know what that darkness is like. Just as we might wish we could pretend maybe we're at the beach in Florida and the pandemic is totally gone, most of us continue to hear of people who are getting sick, still suffering from strange effects of COVID, and some are dying. Over the last year, there have been some significant deaths in our church family and our extended church family. Looking and listening to the news, we see again the results of colonialism and foreign policies of exploitation as we watch desperate people coming from Central America to the U.S. border. We see continued and increasing violence against women, people of color, minorities of all sorts, and more and more shootings carried out by angry and disturbed people who wrap themselves in the American flag and the Bible. Darkness is real. The shadows touch our lives with sickness and disease, with addiction and mental illness. We like to think we have something to do with our own health, that we can stay in the light, that we can move toward the light if we try hard enough. And often we can for a while, but then we hear of someone else who is sick or dying. And we realize that uh, the darkness is here, uninvited, unexplained. Where is God when we can't see him or feel him or apprehend God in any particular way? Well, among the places I go, I go back to the liturgy of Tenebrae. One of my favorite versions of the Tenebrae service follows the normal pattern of readings, music, and decreasing light. The candles are extinguished one by one, 
and as the lights go out, there's a kind of sadness that falls over the space. It's, it's unspecific. It's large. It seems to include all our pain, all our heartache, all our questioning. But then just as one becomes uncomfortable with this deep darkness and tries to adjust one's eyes, there's the faintest hint of light in a service that I remember, you almost imagine there's light before there is. And then sure enough, there's a little bit of light coming in the room, but you can't quite figure out where it is. And then you realize it's approaching from behind, gradually, slowly, silently. And then as one looks to the very back of the church, one sees that one candle is being brought into the church by a little child carrying that light As the child moves through the space, shadows dance all over the place, no longer threatening, but animated with hope and with joy and with expectation. The light shines in the darkness. It has never gone out. It just changed. It seemed to go away. But here it is again, faint but full, small but strong, vulnerable yet eternal. The various liturgies of Holy Week, the prayers and the music, give us various opportunities to seek out this light of Christ. We are invited to slow down, to set aside our calendars, our to-do lists, and for a few days, maybe even to put on hold our endless list of shoulds. Whether we spend time in Holy Trinity or another church or a church online, Holy Week invites us to notice the the dark places in our own lives where the shadows and the shades live and to allow God to be there too, to be here among us. Even if we can't yet feel the warmth of the light, even if we can't yet glimpse it, the faith of the church assures us in the words of John, what has come into being in Christ was life and the life was the light of all people. Whether we hear those words customarily on Christmas Eve or on Easter, their truth shows us the way that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, will not, will never overcome it. The light pervades, the light prevails. Music at the end of our service on Palm Sunday at 11 o'clock features our trumpet player Charlie Johnson and organist Cleve Kirsch as they play the Prayer of St. Gregory by the 20th century American composer Alan Hovhaness.
You've been listening to Eighth Day Encouragement. The eighth day is a Monday after the seven days of the week, but the eighth day also stands as a new creation outside the pattern of the usual seven. And so the eighth day symbolizes resurrection, hope, and the possibilities for new life. I'm John Bedingfield, the priest and rector at the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. I hope you'll come and visit us in person one day, but you can also worship with us through Facebook Live, follow us on YouTube, and learn more at holytrinity-nyc.org. God bless you this week and always.